0: Welcome to the Rumble Podcast. Here at Rumble, we are a catalyst and a movement that exists to reach men, connect them to Jesus, and equip them to live as kingdom men. In this episode, we're going to our 2022 Regular Joe Conference. This takes place every year in November, and our theme is based around Acts 4.13, how the people looked at Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were regular Joes, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. We want you to sit back, relax, and let this speak to I just want to introduce Wes. Um, I know Wes for many years, uh, from fire service and other circles, and... Uh, I had the opportunity, as I say I've known him for years, but I had the opportunity to travel with him in March of this year. We were doing some ministry, uh, and we were living out of each other's pockets for about 10 days. And I have to say, I got really under the skin of this guy. And what you see is really what you get with him. And we had such a great time back then. And uh, so it is a real privilege for me to introduce you to Wes. And uh, fantastic guy. He'll be speaking over the next 40, 45 minutes. If with time, depending on what else happens, there may be opportunity for one or two questions, but we have to just base it around everything else that's happening. So, Okay, Wes, over to you, mate. Thank you.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Good. uh, Feels weird doing the same talk. I'm actually scanning the room to see if there's anybody who's come (laughs) for a second time, but I don't don't think so. Um, So, guys, thank you so much. I had no idea how many would come to the seminars and it's really encouraging to see so many folks coming and also the one before so just in case just to dispel any myths this is not a music seminar so if you're a budding musician or worship leader and are looking any guidance on that to a degree that's there's going to be no chords or anything shown today or anything like that that's not what it is I was already asked that question guys before we start let's just pray okay Father, thank you so much for your presence in all that we do. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercy. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, guys, look, we're going to get into it because we are running. Uh, A few minutes late, and um, and you may see me sipping on water a wee bit, Mm. singing and doing two seminars is a slight challenge on the voice, Um, and I'm leading worship in church in the morning as well, so pray for me in that way. Uh, (coughs) So guys, listen, men in worship, really, when I was asked to do this, I wanted to talk about not only what is worship, but why do we worship? Why do we even bother? And what I wanted to open up for you was, a part of my heart is to try and free men from themselves. Because sometimes we can be our own worst enemy in situations like that. And one of the things I I was saying, I don't want to reference what I said in the last seminar, seminar every time. We're just going to go as if we've never heard it before, even though I've heard it. But, you know, the thing about freedom is, and we we talk, you hear people saying, oh, I'm free to do whatever. When we follow God, freedom is not freedom in itself. It's the freedom that God gives us to choose within that freedom that sets us free. So if I create a piece of music, okay, what goes into that piece of music or what comes out of that piece of music? is only what I create to be within it, all right? Think of God and us, God created us. So he gives us the freedom to choose, and this will make sense. So freedom is not freedom in itself. It's the freedom that God gives us to choose within that freedom that sets us free. Now, As we go into this, I don't want to give you a definition of worship as such, all right? I want us to talk more about the content, because I assume that we all have some kind of idea about what worship is, and my aim is not to insult anybody's intelligence at all, or assume that people don't know, but what I hope is that there's something in what I have to say today that might bring some new revelation or encouragement to you, and that's my hope. And it'll become clear where we're going with it as we go forward. That ultimately brings us closer to him. Now, what is worship is a, is a good question, but I feel a more poignant question would be, why do we worship? But we'll come to that. Now, Wikipedia says this about worship, and I just want to read this to you first. Worship is an act of religious devotion. I'm taking the word religious out. Usually directed towards a deity. For many, worship is not about an emotion. It is more about a recognition of God. An act of worship may be performed individually or an informal or formal group or by a designated leader. Now, Some of this is good and some of it's not so good, right? Um, But the word worship itself actually originates from the Anglo-Saxon word worthship, which means to declare the worth of God. So where I would start correcting a few things with Wikipedia is that true worship is not about us performing. And it's not primarily, now please remember this because we will return to this at the end. It's not primarily about us getting. But ultimately, the main, motiva- the main motivation is about us giving. Primarily, it's not about us getting. But we'll, we'll come back to that too. There's lots of things where I'll say we'll come back to and you'll see we kind of go in this roundabout way of getting there. So, for example, you know, there may be people who come here today. You might be coming here today saying, you know what? <sighs> Just don't feel like worshiping today. I fight with the wife before I left the house. The kids were, were annoying me and getting on my wick. And I said something I shouldn't have said. Hey, I looked at something on my phone yesterday. I shouldn't have looked at that. Don't feel like worshiping today. All these things are based on our current circumstances or emotions. And I'm not trying in any way to dilute down the difficulties that we come here with. And the things that we struggle with, the stuff that we face. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. They're real things but there is a reality that when we react like this, we still don't understand what worship actually is. Because worship is a sacrifice of praise. And it's a sacrifice regardless of how we feel, regardless of our circumstances, because he remains worthy. He's never not worthy. And I could end there. I could say, "Mm, yep, God could say, I'm worthy. And you worship me because I'm worthy. Thanks for coming. But where would the depth be in understanding? Let me tell you a quick story. I'm always tapping my phone to keep an eye on where we are. And I'll try to move through this as quickly as I can, but my wife and I tried to have, my wife, Lindsay, she's at home today, bless her. Uh, we were trying to have children for approximately eight years. After about four of those years and nothing happening at all, not an inkling of anything, we started to realize we need to, we need to go and find out what's happening. We went, nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with my wife, so then one day, she's in work, and I get a call from work to say, <clears throat> where's your wife's doubled over in two in the car park? And I'm like, what? She was fine this morning. Got a coffee before I went out and she went out. She said, you know, we've had to lift her from the car park into the reception. Oh. So, of course, I rushed down to her work lift her, get her in the car, take her to the hospital, we go to Down Patrick. we get there. The doctor examines her and says, congratulations, you're pregnant. Now, we'd already done two failed IVFs at this stage. And I said, what do you, what do you mean, congratulations? Like, she's doubled over in two in pain. And there's lots of other signs that ain't good. And he said, yeah, we're sending you to the Neely ward in the Ulster Hospital for complicated pregnancies. So we go all the way over there. Within minutes, they take us through, and the next thing, the nurse literally almost busts the door open like a a saloon in a Western and says, we need to operate on your wife right now, or there's the possibility she could die. And I'm like, what? Everything was fine this morning. Suddenly, they rush her in, they operate, and they find a pint and a half of blood in her stomach and couldn't understand why she was still walking around. They operated, removed the fallopian tube, and I came back home, and the day after I started a song, I started writing a song called Compass, and it's on an album that I have called Hurricane, and it was the day after and it talks about the greatness and how good a God we have. A few months later, we find out we're pregnant naturally again. We, Everything's going swimmingly well. Eight weeks in or so, bloods are doubling, all great news. I start to think of wonderful names and stuff like that, like Judas and things like that, you know. Um, Yeah, thanks. Uh, Sons of Korah and things like that. No, we're trying to think of, I'm allowing myself to think of names. My wife's making me a fry. It's a Saturday morning. She's making the fry and she goes, ooh. And I went, ooh, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, they said, she said, my wife's a champion, she said, Oh, they said I might get cramps. And I said, okay. Well, what do you want to do? She says, let's leave it for a day or two. We leave it Sunday. I wake up on Monday morning to her literally in a a pool of her own tears in the bed beside me. And I knew exactly. I rushed her to the hospital again. I said, sweetheart, let's go. I took her to the hospital. And it was the same nurse that's seen us the last time. And as they were examining her again, the nurse lost her composure completely, turned her face away and started crying before they said anything. And then they revealed that it's another ectopic pregnancy where they had to operate once again and remove the other fallopian tube. We did more, one more IVF right before COVID and it failed as well. We drew a line in the sand and we said, God, that's enough. After the second, I remember driving home and I was going home to walk with Moses. Moses is my dog. People think that that's not just as spiritual as you think it is, okay? I was going home because Moses needed to be walked. And I'm driving home, and I'm in tears. My heart's broken. You know, the chances of us having children at this point are literally the miracle of God's hand and his alone. And my father reminded me in that moment, and the verse came to me. John 16, 33, and I'll never forget it. And I said in a loud voice, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And it was the day after the second ectopic pregnancy that I recorded that song, Compass, and it was my wife that coined the phrase that this song was written in the midst of one storm recorded in the midst of another and so we called the album Hurricane. There's a reason I tell you this story because that song Compass sings of how wonderful God is no matter what and in the midst of that awful experience with my heart breaking our dreams being shattered of having children, and my emotions everywhere that he is still worthy of praise. Worship is essentially an issue of the heart. And a lot of the time, we can have the public outward expression of worship, but without the full understanding of what's actually inwardly going on. Jesus guides us in the direction of an answer here a little. I'll listen to this. When he said in John four twenty three to 24, my Bible's right here behind me, but it's easier for me to read it off this and search through. When he said this, and he's talking to the woman at the well, and he says, the hour is coming and in fact is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now, listen to this bit here. This next bit is absolute key. God is spirit. That's Jesus talking. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice that worship and in spirit is not contrasted with worshiping in the body or with the body, but instead it's put alongside worshiping in truth. But what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Well, John 14 verse 6 says this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Worship is true when we worship outside what's going on in our circumstances around us. You see, we have the mind, the will, and the emotions, which are all part of the soul. I know this is a huge subject, but what's missing? We have the mind, the will, and the emotions, all part of the soul. What's what's missing? The spirit. It's separate from that. Now, I know it's a massive subject and maybe at another time we'll go deeper into it, but when we worship in the midst of all these things in spite of our circumstances based on the fact of who we are in Christ and not based on our circumstances or our problems, we react from the Spirit in and to the truth. We're not ignoring our emotions or ignoring our circumstances, but we're simply, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And it's not that it's gone away, it's that we worship God regardless. Then our worship is from our spirit, not the soul, and is true. My mom passed away this year at the start of the year, and I loved my mom. And I led worship at her funeral, and I know it was fine, for me not to have done that. But there are some things in this world that we can only learn through pain and difficulty. We cannot learn them any other way. My mom can only die once. And when that moment has passed, I will never, ever get the opportunity back to give him glory and praise in that moment. Now, why do we worship? Yes, he is worthy, but God is so good to us. He doesn't just leave it there. First of all, I want to go back to what I was saying at the start about you know the origins of the word worship. Firstly, we worship simply because he and no other and nothing else is worthy of worship except God. I hate holding this thing, it's like an ice cream. I think when we understand as men or as as, a, as, as women, as people, when we understand why we worship, it's so much easier to understand what worship actually is. I truly believe that true worship comes through a heart that not only really knows him or has been changed by him, but that knows who we are in him and because of him. So let me conduct Just a little short experiment, just for a second. Sir, who are you? Sorry, Robin, that's your name. I'm asking who you are. Tell me who you are. Uh, Brilliant. So stop right there. So yes, we're at a Christian conference and you can kind of guess where I'm going to a point when you start asking people who they are, they'll tell you everything like their name and their job and their children's names and who they're married to. Our identity is wrapped up, is not wrapped up in our name, our occupation, our gender, our sexuality, our families, our children, our hobbies, our passions, or anything else not wrapped up in the fact that I'm a worship leader or a musician or a husband. Our identity is in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus only. So so you don't think I'm making this up and this might take a wee minute or two, but bear with me. And if you are interested in the references at the end, you're very, very welcome to take a picture. And I'm gonna go through this and if you all manage to sit there without an amen or a hallelujah at least several times throughout the whole thing, we're going to be disappointed because trust me, this is good news. According to John 1.12, you are a child of God. Thank you. According to, a good start. According to John 15.15, 15, you're a friend of Christ. According to Romans 5.1, you are justified. According to 1 Corinthians 6.17, you are united with the Lord and are one spirit with him. According to 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are bought with a price and belong to God. According to 1 Corinthians 12.27, you are a member of Christ's body. According to Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, you are a saint, not a sinner, saved by grace anymore but a saint who is still capable of sin, made saint-like only by Jesus himself. According to Ephesians 1.5, you are adopted as a child of God. According to Colossians 1.14, you are redeemed and forgiven of all sin. Thank you. According to Colossians 2.10, you are complete in Christ. According to Romans 8.1 and 2, you are free from condemnation. According to Romans 8:28, you are assured that all things work together for good since you love him. According to Romans 8:31-34, you are free from any condemning charges against you. According to Romans 8:35-39, you are never separated from his love. According to 2 Corinthians 1:21-22, you are established, anointed and sealed by God. According to Philippians 1:6, you are confident that the good work God has begun in you will be perfected. According to Philippians 3.20, you are a citizen of heaven. According to 1 John 5.18, you are born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. According, thank you, according to Matthew 5.13 and 14, you are the salt and light of the earth. According to John 15.1 and 5, you are a branch of the true vine and a channel of his life according to john 15:16 you are chosen and appointed to bear fruit according to acts 1:8 you are a personal witness of Christ according to 1 corinthians 3:16 you are god's temple where he dwells according to 2 corinthians 5:17:21 you're a minister of reconciliation for god according to 2 corinthians 6:1 you're god's co-worker According to Ephesians 2.6, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. According to Ephesians 3.12, you are able to approach God with all freedom and confidence. According to Philippians 4.13, you are able to do all things through Christ who gives you. And finally, even though this is not all of them, according to Ephesians 2.10, you are the workmanship of God. Friends, I don't know about you. But that is good news. I want to worship God for that. Because he doesn't leave it at I am worthy. Surely those 50 or so reasons that I just read out make you feel special to God. Because that's for everyone here. Surely we believe his word to be true. Finally, in finishing, there's a few things here. Somebody tell me, what does John 3.16 say? Good man. Amen. Do you ever hear the phrase, that's the gospel in a nutshell? You ever hear that? There's a massive bit of it missing. What's John 3 17? Fantastic. Massive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Come on. Reason to worship. Why do we worship? What is worship? Tell me this. You ever give yourself a hard time about sin? Anybody? Show of hands? What if it, let me ask the question what if it's a small sin? How long do you give yourself a hard time for? An hour? Maybe a day? Five minutes? minutes. Whether it's a medium sized sin, a weak? Whether it's a big sin or what we think is small, medium, and large, are we ever getting over that? And what do we do when we do that? We run from God, do we? condemn ourselves, the cat of nine tails comes out we dress up in our sackcloth we're throwing dust over ourselves we run from God when we turn our faces and our hearts towards him in our sin and say father I have no other claim no acts of righteousness or good behavior in which I can lay out in front of you as a plea. I have only the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees him and not our sin. Robert S. McGee in his book, Search for Significance, put it best, I think, great book and the moment I read it, it instantly changed my life and I want to read it to you because the mind, the will and the emotions as we talked about are part of the soul. Satan can affect those things. He can't affect the spirit. Robert S. McGee said this, when we run towards God in our sin and not away from God in our sin, Satan will actually stop attacking us whenever the plan that he put in place to destroy us is actually working to perfect us. We start running towards God on our sin and saying, Father, I have nothing but the blood of Christ. Satan's going, Whoa, 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 whoa. Not that way. No, don't go, no, I better leave him alone. This guy's got it. He's clicked on to why Christ came. We, a lot of the times, I think, create those difficulties for ourselves. He's not creating them for us. I think and believe that when we truly realize who we are in him, through his word, of everything I just shared with you, he who made us in the way that he did and we accept it, truly accept it, really accept it. How we worship and why we worship dramatically change. And what worship is should become abundantly clear. It changes us within. And the outward expression, however that looks, is not because it's like, oh, I love this song or I want to look. And it's not even all about raising hands or anything. It's, it's that bursting from within you because you understand who you are in Him. You cannot contain it. And it has to come out. To quickly go back to what I was saying at the start when I said worship is not primarily about us getting but us giving. Because worship is always about him and never about us or what our circumstances are. When we learn to worship in spirit, in the spirit, not in the soul, in spirit, born out of truth, the soul part of us, being the mind, the will, and the emotions, start to benefit and get healthier from it. That's what we get out of it. Isn't that amazing? Even as we pour out praise to God, he's still given to us because we worship in spite of what's going on. Our whole perspective on everything should change because we're no longer disappointed victims of our own agenda or circumstances but we are everything that he made us to be. Guys, I truly hope that look, there's no big finish or fireworks or anything going off. I just truly hope that there's something from this today. My heart is for you to see that, that worship is just so much more than singing a song that's, that's part of a service or something that's our style or something that we, it's so much more than all of that. Why do we use music to worship? I truly believe that God created music because it can get to the very heart of all of us. And it's a global language that each and every one of us can understand. Guys, I really hope and pray but there's something in there that God has spoken to you about today. Thank you so much to for coming to us.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We really hope and pray that God's Word has spoken to your heart and that His Holy Spirit has empowered you to go out and be an effective man. That people would look at you and really take note that you've been with Jesus if we can help you or your church in any way in engaging and in reaching men both inside and outside the church this is a huge need in our time and in our world at this moment please go onto our website rumble.vision and send us an email reach out to us we would love to get a coffee and to talk to you about some of the things that we have that can help you at a local level But we do hope that you can join us again soon for our next episode. Be blessed and we'll see you again soon.